So it was just this state of chasing more that a lot of us find ourselves in, and it's an illusion, right? This is like our minds telling us that our presence and peace lies somewhere in the future, and by definition, presence can't lie in the future, right? Presence is in the present. Welcome to episode 28 of the Mad Happy Podcast. I'm Payman. And I'm Mason. And we created this podcast to have conversations about mental health. We talk about some pretty serious topics on the show. We are by no means professionals and are not giving advice. If you or someone you know needs help, please visit us at localoptimist.com backslash podcasts. Mason, since I wasn't there, I'll let you uh, introduce Mike. Yeah, uh, this episode we recorded with, or I recorded with Mike Posner, uh, who is an artist out of Michigan who... I've been familiar with and known of since I was like 13 or 14. We actually have some mutual friends, uh, both being Detroiters ourselves. Uh, so it was great to be able to talk to him. I mean, his story is amazing from blowing up in college uh, at the same time as Big Sean to performing on stage with Kanye to kind of questioning everything that was going for him and realizing that that really wasn't filling his cup and ended up doing a bunch of cool stuff that I don't want to spoil for you guys. But uh, it was really great to talk to Mike and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. And remember that we're keeping our partnership going with Cash App. Uh, look at the link in our show notes. Check out the recent post from Local Optimist to see how you can win money to put towards anything you want uh, for your mental health. So definitely check that out and support that ongoing partnership. The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism. Enjoy the show with Mike Posner. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mad Happy Podcast. I am Mason, and today we are joined by Mike Posner. Mike, how do you introduce yourself these days? Uh, I don't know, man. Michael or Mike? <laughs> Human? Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike is someone who I've known about since I was like 13 or 14, I think. We're both from Michigan, so I had some mutual friends with him who put me on to his music uh, early on when he was in high school, and then coming up with kind of Big Sean and stuff like that. And then it's been amazing to follow you and your journey um, and just the ups and downs that you faced and how candid you've kind of been about your experiences and how you've taken all of us kind of on this journey with you has been super admirable. So obviously a huge mental health advocate, and it's an honor to have you on the show today. Thanks, Mason. Appreciate that. Absolutely. I want to start off with where you grew up. Um, Obviously, we both have ties to the Midwest. I think it's such a unique place and a unique part of the country. And I'm just curious for you, like what your experience was like growing up there. Um, and if you could just kind of contextualize that uh, for the listener a bit. It's tough to put your finger on it. Uh, but definitely um, where I grew up is a, a suburb that borders Detroit called Southfield. Demographically, it's pretty similar to Detroit. Um is a beautiful place, but it's a, it's a serious vibe there. It's like, you know, just like we go to New York and you feel something or LA and you feel something like, you know, our city, you feel something when you're there too. And it's just different. Uh, it's hard to, hard to, maybe I could like work on some poetry or something to try to describe that better, but it's a vibe there. I grew up a uh, middle-class neighborhood, a uh, really diverse neighborhood, they had like a group of boys I just rolled around with on bikes all the time, played basketball every day, and and uh, it was a really beautiful place. I, I started rapping when I was eight years old and writing writing songs. 
uh, had a few older cousins that were into hip hop and mm-hmm. my friends were also into it too. And it just bit me like, uh, it just bit me. I knew I was going to do it the rest of my life. I knew I was going to make music the rest of my life. I didn't know I could, uh, make money from it. having my career. <laughs> that came later, but I basically, yeah, started making music, writing music. I was eight, making beats when I was 13. Yeah. And, um, I met, uh, Big Sean when I was 18. I just, mm. high school, I had an internship at a radio station in Detroit and, uh, met this guy, Sean, who, who supposedly knew Kanye West. And, um, long story short, he, he ended up letting me in his crew and I was basically in his entourage. I did beats for him for, few years before I started to discover my own sound when I was 20 mm-hmm. started playing around with singing and uh and um my music kind of caught on from there but there's a lot more to it but that's sort of my my intro <laughs> yeah no 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 I'm sure the uh one of the most interesting things that I saw about your upbringing was having a a dad who was Jewish and a mother who was Catholic and I know that I is that correct that's correct yeah yeah um I grew up like pretty Jewish myself, went to like a Jewish day school my whole life, uh, was bar mitzvah in Israel. And like, that was such a big part of kind of my childhood and how I learned to understand the world kind of through that lens. I'm curious what your experience was like with spirituality and faith growing up. And if that was ever kind of confusing for you, having parents coming from two different cloths in that way. I didn't really have one, you know, I, I feel really blessed how I was how I grew up, my, I was raised basically secular version mm-hmm. of Judaism. So I learned like about our history, our language, our music, but there was no spiritual element to my upbringing. Um, that was just a decision my, my parents made. I think they they wanted us to just be able to decide on something when we were older. Yeah, it was a it was great up in, in in a black neighborhood, you know, like Jewish dad, Catholic mm-hmm. mom, in a in a black neighborhood. This is beautiful. I love where I grew up, man. It was a, it was an amazing place. I still is, and um, I never felt confused. But really, the the spiritual element of my life came many years later. I had uh, basically my career taken off. I had a hit, and um, and Sean's career, Big Sean, who we talked about, his career had had sort of stagnated at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He was actually kind of close to like getting dropped off his record label, and then all of a sudden, it was like something happened and his music got like he got way better his music sounded better and then like he had a hit song himself and like he was just skyrocketing and i caught up with him in la and it's sort of surreal like you know a few years ago you're making music with this guy in your mom's basement fast forward five years you're in this nice studio you both have record deals you both have hit songs it's like what the like this is crazy you know but he was just, he was like glowing. You ever been around a person like that, Mason, where you're around him and you just feel better just by mm-hmm. being around him? You mm-hmm. might even leave and you still like feel it after, after you're apart. You're, Absolutely. That, yeah. It was like that with him. And I saw him and I went home. I was like, dang, now like, I'm like high just from like standing around this guy. And the next day, and he's my buddy, you know? And it's like the next day I was like, man, I'm like, what's going on with you? Like, your your career is doing great. You seem great, and like I feel great just standing next to you. What's this? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know. And he was like, "Hey, man, you got to read these two books. One was The Alchemist, and the other was a little more esoteric kind, of new agey book called Asking It Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks. 
And um, I thought, you know, like, hey, this, this is working for him. By this time, I'm like 24. I never had a spirit. I never had a spiritual part of my life. And uh, I read the books and I had a spiritual part of my life. And never, never now maybe it's the most important part of my life, you know. Mm. Um, so I got him to thank for that. And uh, just learning about manifestation in a real way and like how to how to like really use your mind really use your mind yeah do you feel like that was when you also started really thinking about like mental health and like looking at your life in that more holistic way um the goals of my life changed before that i was like i was trying to win yeah you know i was trying to win and um one of the themes asking it is given is like hey you know like more important than winning is like feeling good yeah like you win and you still feel like shit like where did you really win you know so my goal is really adjusted to hey i want to like i want to feel good you know that's one of the reasons i stopped drinking too it wasn't because drinking wasn't fun it was because the next day i didn't feel good and one day i got drunk is another sean story he played the palace you know the palace yeah yeah so the year is uh it's 2012, December 1st, 2012. And Big Sean's career is skyrocketed, and he plays his big homecoming show at the Palace, which is where the Pistons used to play. And uh, it was this amazing moment for Sean, of course, but also like for our friend group and also like mm-hmm. just for Detroit. He brought out all these surprise guests. I was one of them. Common was one of them. J. Cole was one of them. Kanye West. And it's not like it was in L.A. Like, all those people got on the plane and came to Detroit for this amazing night. And like I just remember being in tears because a few years before, we were in the crowd watching Kanye play. Like, I was standing next to Sean in the crowd, and it was like, and we were on the stage. And it was just amazing, man. It was it was really beautiful. It was like the exemplification of dreams coming true. Yeah. And I finished my few songs that he brought me out for, and I had no work the next day. All I had to do was fly home. So I thought, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get wasted. I'm going to party. So I started turning Hennessy bottles upside down in the dressing rooms and stuff. And, uh, and nothing really happens. I go to bed and wake up the next day. I'm hungover, and I go, to the airport to fly back to LA and I get on the plane. I'm in first class and sit down and then, and then Sean gets on the plane and I'm like, Whoa, this, this is pretty cool. I asked somebody, we, you know, we do a seat switch. So now I'm sitting next to Sean and, um, remember I'm still hung over though. Like I don't right. feel good. Hurt. Physically. Yeah. <laughs> and so the plane takes off and I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a, this is literally like a dream come true. My buddy just played the Palace, the Arena in Detroit. I was on stage, and we're in first class. And then I realized, like, Common is on the plane, too. Common's, like, a few rows ahead of us. And um, Common is one of my heroes. He, 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 like, I write his quotes, like, in my notebook. Like, it doesn't take a whole day to recognize sunshine. Like, yeah, he's just one of my heroes I grew up listening to. And so I'm thinking, like... I'm really in a dream come true, but I can't enjoy it because I'm I'm hungover. And then and then Sean's like, hey, like let me 
I gotta go to the bathroom. So I stand up. He was in the window seat. I stand up. I let him out. He goes to the bathroom. He comes out. And Common stops him as he's walking back to his seat. And Common says, man, you gotta hear this this verse I'm working on. And Common just started rapping on the plane. And I thought, good Lord, like, I am really in a dream come true right now. But I can't enjoy it. Right. Like, like I have all the... I have everything and I that I need times a thousand to feel good to be happy, mm-hmm. but I'm not, and that's a function of what I put in my body last night. I I never know what amazing thing is going to happen tomorrow, and so I want at least the shot to enjoy it. And so I I basically stopped drinking that that night. I've had a few drinks, like maybe four or five since then. I like that's such a powerful story. I actually experienced something similar. I've been sober for a little over three years now. And the last time that I had alcohol was when we were throwing, we've thrown these big like block parties on on Melrose Place out in LA where we shut down the whole block, have like three to 5,000 people there, Mm -hmm. like live music, different like booths uh, with merch and stuff, all like right outside of our store. And it was a huge party. And I was, same way you were turning over those Hennessy bottles, I was walking around with just a Jameson just, solo in my hand and don't remember really anything of the night besides waking up uh the next day and not only feeling terrible but like had my relationship basically end and me not be coherent to even know what was going on and that was really the moment for me where I was like I don't recognize myself and this is really scary and the same way that for you like externally for us it's like Everything was right. Like, we had it all. Like, our brand was popping off. We just opened this huge store. We threw a huge party with, like, 5,000 people. Like, my life was amazing. But on the inside, I was hurting so much. And, like, no one could really see that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that, for me, was the biggest lesson of, like, really listening to myself and how I feel and, like, not using those external things to give me validation. And, like, at the end of the day, it's really just us and our feelings and our thoughts and, like that's more important than really anything else, you know? Yeah. Well, congrats to you making making that change, Mason. Thank you, man. I uh, talked talking to a different Mason here today than that Mason. <laughs> yeah. Um so when you started making music in high school, obviously like I don't know if if you felt like you blew up fast, but like I kind of felt like you were blowing up fast just in terms of like my social circles and then obviously everything that happened with both yours and Sean's career. I'm curious when you kind of had that moment of like I made it or I'm famous. And once that happened, kind of what impact that had, if any, on your mental health in terms of like what you're valuing or like how you're seeing yourself um, and how that kind of played out early on. Yeah. I never felt that. I, I always felt like I was still chasing more the whole time. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, I think like a lot of us, I was living a, a some day life. You know, and I really thought, you know, if I get this record deal or something, you know, I'm going to feel like full and complete and whole. And so I set about achieving that and um, I was successful in doing so. But uh, as a surprise, surprisingly, I, I didn't I didn't feel a shred more of fulfillment. I felt exactly the same once I got it. I thought, you know, maybe I need a hit song. So I set about chasing a hit song and. I was lucky enough to achieve that as well. And, and again, I didn't feel a shred more fulfillment. And I thought maybe I need another one. And 
and I was lucky enough to have another one and it same thing. I just felt exactly the same, not a shred more of fulfillment. I felt, um, I did not feel, um, complete or whole. So it was just this state of, of chasing more, you know, that a lot of us find ourselves in and it's an illusion, right? This is, uh, this is like our minds telling us that our presence and peace is lie somewhere in the future. And by definition, presence can't lie in the future. It can mm-hmm. lie where? In the present, right? Presence is in the present. And so I, I never really had one of those moments of feeling like I made it. And I really had to reevaluate everything, you know. And as far as like stuff's impact on my on my mental health, my mental health, I don't, I don't know if I think of it exactly in those words. Maybe I'll say my well-being, but mm-hmm. like I'm in charge of that. That's my job. You know, so nothing, nothing impacted that, you know, life happens. Mason. There's no, no doubt about that. You know, your parents going to die. Somebody, you know, your homie might die. You might get sick. Life happens to all of us. And if it hasn't yet, just wait. It will. Mm-hmm. But my decision on what any of those events mean or how I react to them is just that's my decision. And that's uh, I'm in control of that. So not, nothing impacted um, my mental health or my well-being. You know, I might have made a crummy decision about something that happened that that affected my own state. Um, but... At the end of the day, like that's that I'm I'm sovereign of that territory. That's my dominion, you know. So I never I never let even in my speech, you know. I know that might sound a little snarky, right? I'm like kind of flipping the question, but even in my speech, who I am and is not is not the product of anything that happened or any reason. Who I am is my decision. Who I decide I am you know, who I create myself to be. And I don't know if that sounds like, like crazy or if it makes any sense, but like the second I say, Hey, this, this happened and I'm this way because who's in power, the, because Mm -hmm. whatever I said, because the reason, you know? So yeah, nothing, nothing impacted my mental health. No, I think it's, uh, it's so interesting. And like, this is something that we've never really talked about on the show before, because I don't think anyone has taken, or at least shared with us like about the ownership that they've taken like you have. I think so much of what our brand is about and and what we talk about are that there's going to be bad days and there's going to be times that we inevitably struggle in life and, and, and things can happen that's out of our control. But I think what you're saying that's so profound is like even when all that stuff happens, whatever's going on out there, regardless of what it is, at the end of the day, it really is in our control how we feel and like how we choose to think about ourselves and how we choose to behave and, and, and all these kind of things. So I'm curious, how did you get to a place where you could have that sort of ownership over your mental well-being, as you called it? Uh, giving up, like giving up trying, you know, and I would, I would actually amend what you said a little bit, you know, like I, I don't always feel in control of how I feel. Yeah. You know, sometimes I feel sad or happy or uninspired. Um, but I am in control of how I show up, you know. So a big part of this for me was I did a program called the Landmark Forum. And I got the importance of uh, integrity from that program. It's pretty, like, profound thing. It was, like, this three-day thing. And, like, this 
you know, office building. And I'm thinking like, mm. if I ever, something makes a difference for me, it's going to be like from a guru yeah. on a mountaintop in Nepal, but it was like opposite of that, but the thing, it was pretty like. So is it like a, it's like a personal, a workshop? A thing, yeah, a landmark? So it's a forum. I guess like it's kind of dialogue. It's about a hundred, 200 people in there and then a leader and everyone's sharing and you work it and they're giving you distinctions. And um, anyway, I bring it up because that's where I really got the meaning or the importance of integrity and my word and the way they define that is uh if i say i'm gonna do something i do it mm-hmm. so this this became like really exemplified for me on on the walk across america so you know for your listeners that don't know in 2019 i had made this decision that you know i'm gonna walk across america i started walking in the two feet in the atlantic ocean on april 15th 2019 off the coast of new jersey i took my first step step one is take one step and i walked across pennsylvania and uh well new jersey first then pennsylvania ohio illinois indiana missouri kansas colorado um got bit by a poisonous rattlesnake almost almost lost my leg to that went back to colorado walked across colorado arizona nevada california six months and three days later after walking 2851 miles i dove in the pacific ocean and um this thing of like integrity it wasn't like a concept anymore my word mm-hmm. being important it wasn't like lived it yeah wasn't a workshop anymore it was like i woke up it's hot mason right mm-hmm. i walked through the summer and so you couldn't just roll out of bed at 10 30 because it'd be too hot. No, you got to get up early. Got to get up sun. early. Yeah. So, you know, typically I get up at four and I try to be moving by five. It'd be, sometimes it'd be five, ten. But the alarm go off every morning on my watch. And like, what do you what do you think I felt when the alarm went off? I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired. I want to freaking do this. Yeah. <laughs> and tired is like an understatement. Like I, I get up sometimes, maybe so I stand up. And it's like, I can barely stand up. Yeah. How am I going to walk 24 miles today? You know, how am I going to do this? And it's like, I'm going to do it because I said I was going to do it, mm-hmm. period. And so I, I bring this up because we were talking about feelings and control. Yeah. I didn't have control of my feelings. I woke up and I felt like sleeping, right? right? <laughs> I felt like sleeping and resting. And, uh, I, but I had given my word to, to something else. Yeah. And so, despite whatever feeling I had, I showed up and, and I made good on my word, my integrity. And that's just open that like one distinction that I got from the landmark forum has opened my life wide open. Cause, cause we, you know, we think freedom is like the ability to just like do nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I have freedom so I can watch Netflix all day. Right. That's, Chill, yeah. that's like a real, that's like artificial version of freedom. You know, real freedom to me is like, hey, I gave my word to something that I decided on and I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm free to have the discipline to do that every day and make goals and, and work on that day after day, year after year and and, and happen. And, and, you know, like I look at my life now and the things I'm able to do, whether it's the music stuff, walking across America, summiting the, the tallest mountain in the world, Mount Everest, I mean... I created that stuff. It came from my word. I, I decided what to do. It. I spoke it and I did it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm just like, I'm a skinny Jewish kid from the suburbs of Detroit. Like, 
you know, I was a kid that walked around puddles, you know, I like, I didn't like getting dirty. And it's like, I created a guy that, that climbed 71 mountains in, in a year and a half, a guy that, that almost lost his leg to a rattlesnake bite and said, screw it, I'm going back to that same spot and walk a thousand more miles. That yeah. creation, you know, like that, that I wasn't born with that. That came from my word. No, for sure. Two, uh, two follow-up questions on that uh, quickly. I'm so fascinated by people who decide to go to something like you did with the landmark or like actually make that change or take that step. I'm wondering what was going on for you right before that you decided that it was time to do something like that. With the landmark, I just had a few friends tell me like this was life changing for them. Mm. And I sort of have a, I won't call it a rule, but a guideline, you know, if like two people tell me something's life changing, <laughs> check it out. Why yeah. three days? What else am I going to do? Like, like, just have a normal day. It's like, if you take three days to like really look at it, it's almost like having an intervention mm-hmm. for your life. Cause we're all like, yeah. we're all kind of full of shit, right? There's certain ways, you know, for me, I, I like, I actually just redid like, and then if I have some, uh, I really like, I'll, I'll redo it. So I actually just redid the landmark form. And it's like, sometimes I'll do this thing where like, I want people to think I'm nice. <laughs> and it's like, I, I'll actually lie to them. Like, I'll be like, yeah, man, come over anytime. It's like, I don't actually want them to come over. It's like right. manipulative. And uh, so we all have like, we all have ways we, we do that. We show up inauthentic and it's kind of like just an inter- intervention for like your own bullshit, you know? Right. <laughs> like, this is this is your life right here, man. This is how you're living it. Like, how's that working out for you? And uh, <laughs> the, no, I love that. To clear it up and create something new. I definitely want to check that out. Uh, my second follow up was if you could just share with us what the inspiration was kind of behind the walk and where that idea came from and, and what it all meant. The walk was an idea. I, Mesa, I don't know exactly what connected with me so much about doing the walk. I, I, I was in uh, my friend Timmy's jewelry shop in 2013, maybe. She was talking to somebody else, and I heard her say, my friend just walked across America. And it was like a tractor beam. I was like, I said, what did you just say? Like, I wasn't even, I just interrupted into their conversation. She looked at me all confused, like why I'm yelling at her and what. And she goes, <laughs> my friend just walked across America. I said, you can do that? She goes, I, I guess. I don't know. He just did it. And uh, I just like, I remember I declared to like that whole shop. I'm like, I want to do that too. And I, I went home, I, st- I like, I didn't know it yet, but my life was caught in the gravitational pull of the walk, you know, like the walk, these things, they kind of like grab you. It just like fully consumed you. I went home and I started researching it. I started telling people I wanted to do it one day. I got in contact with people that had done it before. I read the books that they had written. I discovered there was a strategy to it. Like you, you try to start in in spring in an effort to finish in fall so you don't have to walk through the winter. Yep. But um, to be honest, uh, each spring, every time spring rolled around, the time I was supposed to start, there was like some, there was some reason for me not to do it. It was an album I hadn't finished yet. There was a tour 
that I needed to do to support the last album. There's a wedding I needed to attend. And so one year turned into two, two years turned into three, three years turned into four, uh, four years turned into five. And I found myself in one of those states that sounds like it was, it was maybe similar to what you were describing when you started Mad Happy, where it was just like kind of a, a low level depression just kind of seeped through my life. Everything was tinted gray Mm -hmm. because I was letting my dream die. I was letting my dream die. And, um, and I was living according to the reasons, right? Like the, you know, it was always a reason not to do it. And, um, I just, I have feel like there was a compelling reason for me to get out of bed in the morning, you know? And, uh, I said, maybe I'm going to talk to my friend, Elliot. He's one of my best friends. And like this guy, I don't know if you have a friend like this, but he's like, he just exudes like enthusiasm all the time. So I'm like, let me talk to him. Maybe like some of his positivities go wash off on me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I talked to him and I I said, dude, like, I'm just, I'm just so uninspired. Like I have an album coming out, but I don't want to do any of the work. I don't want to do an interview. I don't want to go to a radio. I don't want to play a concert. I don't want to do it anymore. And he said, what do you want to do? I thought about it. And uh, it's five years after I sat in that jewelry shop with Teeny. I said, you know, what I really want to do is walk across America. But I've... I've like floated the idea of my managers and my, they, they think it's crazy. He goes, that's great news. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? That your managers think it's crazy. That's great news. What do you mean? I say, you know, and he's like, you got to understand that not all crazy ideas are great, but all great ideas are crazy. And I think you walking across America is a great idea. Hmm. Is in that moment, I was like, I'm gonna do it. I'm yeah. giving word to this, I'm gonna do it. And uh, that spring, yeah, I just went to, went to, you know, it was a lot of prep work and planning and the routes. Course, yeah. Walk supported. I walked supported. So I had like a guy that would have my supplies and food. And we went to, we drove from LA. You know, typically you walk east to west as well because mm-hmm. the way the Appalachian Mountains, where they're situated, and the Rocky Mountains, if you start in spring, it can kind of line up in a nicer way than starting in the west. So we drove from from L.A. where I was living to New Jersey. Now imagine like the fear going through. Like we're driving for eight, like a that week. Was, yeah, that's so know? long. You're like, I'm going to walk all this? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, come, like, this is insane. This is insane. And I was so filled with fear of failure. I was like, you know, I, I committed to this, but I had no, really no idea if I can do it. Like, because it, it's not like you can pr- do a practice. Like, what's your practice going to be? Walk across the treadmill? California. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, at that point, you might as well just be on the real one. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah, you walk on a treadmill. Like, that's not going to prepare you for this. No. Um, so, you know, it's obviously, you know, keep my body in good shape. Mm-hmm. But like, it's so like the it's so long. There's nothing you can really do to prepare for it in a real way. And I was just so scared, filled with anxiety and and thinking. And I just went in that freaking water, like I told you. And I took just took a step. You know, like Lao Tzu said, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. Mm-hmm. The journey of 
2,800 miles starts with one step <laughs> too, man. And uh, I start going. And it's like, it's scary how little progress you make in a day. You know, you walk, you could walk a marathon, but you haven't even, you haven't even completed 1%. Yeah. You know, of a walk in that day. It's like, you just go, just go. You gotta just go. And like those, that anxiety, that fear, it was just that anxiety and fear, nothing, nothing else. And it doesn't have to mean anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm filled with fear now. I feel with anxiety now. Great. Got it. I'm still going to do it. I gave my word to it. And, uh, I just kept taking steps, man. And, and, uh, it changed, uh, it changed everything about who, who I thought I was and, and, uh, gave me my life, man. Gave me my life back. No, that's amazing, back. Dude. I like, give me the life I have now. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing about that whole story, um, which is something that I've learned too for myself is like any, any big decision that we want to do in life, like change is hard, change is natural, but change is hard. And any big decision from a conversation that you have anxiety about having to walking across America, it's like any really big move, like you're never going to feel a hundred percent doing, there's always going to be some act of faith or some leap that's involved. And life is like so busy and we're so overstimulated and we all have so many friends and work and family and relationships and all this stuff that if we want to, we could find an excuse or a reason, like you said, to never do these things and convince yourself why this isn't a good time and to put it off and to put it off and to put it off. And you think that you're like making the right move because you're, you know, I'm not going to skip that wedding that that would make them upset or like, I got to go on tour to get this bag or it's for the album or whatever. But the most beautiful part to me is like you weren't servicing yourself. And through all of that over the years, like you start to become depressed. And like I've experienced the same thing with like mainly being scared of confrontation, which I am, and like letting these resentments build and not having these conversations and I'll do it tomorrow or no, I like I don't want to do it then because there's this thing and like you just kind of got to jump off the cliff at some point because you're never going to be a hundred percent and you'll always convince yourself of a reason why it's not a good time so i feel like that was kind of what i took away from that man but that's such an incredible journey and and story and uh anyone who's listening i mean we always encourage us to walk around the block but a walk across america is is pretty special too yeah yeah and the form we call that like being unreasonable Mm -hmm. right us leave live reasonable lives like i did this because of this reason you know i got to, i got to, i date this woman because of this reason right I, you know i live in this day i got this job because of this reason and you're just a product of your reasons then you know yeah and you're powerless against your reasons so you're talking about being unreasonable <laughs> in a good way in a good no way. for sure i mean like uh, another thing that i loved what you were saying is like you walk a marathon or two marathons in one day and like you're making no movement on the map, right? So like we're so focused. I never walked two marathons in a day. All right, well, one marathon. But like we're so focused on like completing a task or getting it done and finishing and putting it behind you. But like that journey to me, like I'm even thinking, man, like I got to be more looking at the big picture of like these. I'm not just checking off boxes to like, I did it. It was great. Like gold star, a gold star. It's like, if I really want to zoom back and look at the big picture of like, what are we trying to do with Matt happy? What am I trying to do with my life? Like, let's look at it across the whole country like that. And then I can really contextualize more like the state to state or the day to day and like not get so caught up in those. And then just get in the routine of like, 
even when I wake up and I don't want to do it, like I know where I'm going. I know where my Pacific Ocean is. And like, that's, that's what's keeping me motivated. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I would say one thing. Yeah. Like uh, the the thing coming to mind is the thing I already talked about was um, it doesn't matter how you feel. Like you can, you can still show up and be great when you don't feel good. Mm-hmm. We make a big meaning, a big story around like our feelings of like, oh, I'm sad today. So like, it's really a cop. I'm going to use, I'm going to use my sadness as a cop out and excuse to like be shitty, not, not be great, not, not fulfill my potential, not fulfill my words. Like you don't have to do that. <laughs> you can like feel any which way and still just show up and kill it. Um, that was a pretty big lesson for me. And, and yeah, you're right. That context that, that you're talking about creating is so important, you know, like who I am is someone that stands for others feeling transcendence, mm-hmm. all these other little projects that I'm working on, whether it's an album or an adventure or public speak, I do some public speaking now. It's all about cutting through the mundanity of normal life for other people. And that's my North Star. And that's the context with which I, I do everything else and how I do everything else. So, so yeah, creating that. And then you're right, like working backwards to your day-to-day, to the minutia, um, it's really powerful, you know, and it can give a lot of clarity. Yeah, something uh, struck me with what you just said of like not letting your emotions control you. And I think it's interesting because we talk a lot on the show and about the brand of like really listening to your emotions. And like if if you feel something, feel them and like process them properly and don't shove them down or resent them. So I think at first people might hear what you're saying and, and be like he's kind of like dismissing the sadness or something like that. But I think it's so interesting to hear you like who's gone on a journey really talk about it in that way because for me I was someone who let it control me my entire life and like was so used to being depressed that like you said I would use it to my advantage of like that's right I'm I'm depressed like I I can be unproductive or I can act out in my relationship or I don't have to do this homework assignment or like all of these things and like in my mind I thought that I was like respecting the emotion and respecting how I was feeling but I was really kind of giving into it and now that i'm like far along on my journey as well you're using it to manipulate people exactly well i was using it to manipulate a people and even worse like manipulate myself of like just boxing myself down and then like only leading more to my insecurities and all these things yeah so i think kind of like the next level mindset of that is to like feel the feeling coming on notice it take it in and not dismiss it but then also be like and I know that I'm still valuable. I'm still an important person. I'm not going to let this sadness control me. And I'm going to go about my day and like have an optimistic mentality and do the things that I said that I was going to do. And like, feel it. I, right. And that <laughs> like, find you don't feel so sad. <laughs> exactly. Like, and that's upholding the integrity. But I think it's like, it's so hard for people to get to that place. And I think that's a big part of like the work that we're doing. And like, it really does take a big, support system and the ability to identify and have like the educational piece behind it. Cause I think that's something that's missing for a lot of people too, is like being able to even know what you're going through is one thing. And then to be able to talk about it with someone is like a completely different thing. So it's really just like all about that. But 
that was super interesting how you phrase that because at first I was like, yeah. hmm, I don't know if I like what he's saying, but then I was like, no, I, I, I really got to think about it. And like, that is kind of like the next level of how to really process it. Y'all do this, by the way. And it's like, you got to look really closely and honestly at our air quotes problems. Because a lot of times, just what you said, the last thing we actually want is for our problems to get solved. Yeah. Because we use them as a way to avoid some responsibility, you know. Like, I do this, man. Like, I do this with, I'll say, like, one of my stories is, like, I'm too busy or I'm tired, you know. And it's like, nah, you're you you, you you're using that as, like, a reason to get out of something, you know, or, like, avoid some, avoid some responsibility. We label ourselves. Like the last- yeah, yeah, it's like it's a cop out. That's your cop out, you know. And so, getting real with yourself about about that with our problems, you know, people do this with illnesses. You know, it's like some some people last thing they want is to get healthy because then they got to actually go live their lives, go go actually be responsible for their goals. You know, and I'm not saying that's the case for most people, or whatever. But it's definitely a a phenomenon that that happens. And, uh, you know, I've done it before. Like, I remember I remember um, whenever I would have a show in Detroit at the beginning of my career, mm-hmm. I would get really sick, deathly. I would get, re- like, really sick flu symptoms before every show. And I was just so nervous. Like, I, and I realized, like, I had a, this happened, like, one time, and I had another show in Detroit, and it was like, I got sick again. And I'm like, I think I'm freaking doing this to myself. Like, it's like every time I get a show in Detroit, I say, like, I got the flu. And it's like, I realized what it was, was I was so scared of not doing good in front of like people that actually knew me, family and friends, that at least I could say, if if the show didn't do, like if I didn't sing well, whatever, at least I could say yeah, I was sick. Right. Yeah, I had a built-in cop-out, built-in excuse. And it's like, I, I just got real clear of myself about that. It's never happened again since yeah. then, since I like realized it. You know, sometimes it flies under our own radar, but you got you got to look at these things. And and you're right, doing some of this work or like, you know, what's the landmark form or something else, like where you can kind of shine the light on some of these blind spots is like, uh, it's kind of disturbing at first, but then it's hard, like, it's yeah. a huge huge amount of freedom that comes after like acknowledging them you know it's like i'm not gonna do that anymore yeah and what's crazy too is like how connected our minds and our bodies are of like how that fear could really cause you to have a physical reaction where you would actually be getting sick because that was a way that your body could cope with some of these negative emotions that you were feeling so i think another good lesson for people is like really listening to your body and like paying attention to like if your chest starts to get tight or if you start to not feel good or if you get a headache, like ask yourself the questions of like, what am I doing right before I'm experiencing these things with my body? And you can usually trace it back to help the identify piece so that I was talking about to learn more how you feel. Before we wrap up, Mike, a few last ones for you. Um, What does your support system look like now? And how do you feel like you prioritize kind of like your mental well-being on a daily basis uh, to keep yourself feeling good? I'm a meditator, first of all. Mm. I meditated pretty much twice a day for at least 20 minutes, sometimes more, for close to 10 years now. You do TM? Um, uh, I That's sort of the base of my your, practice. Your version of it? 
different. I like sometimes I, I've also done a couple. No, I've done one uh, Vipassana retreat. So sometimes I'll do that um, mode or that that flavor of meditation. But I do I do TM a, a lot of the time. And then sometimes I just meditate how it says to meditate in the Bhagavad Gita. I do. I just sit the way it says sit, and I use the mantra mm-hmm. in there. Um. Um. So one of those three usually is what I got yeah. going on. So that's that's number one. I exercise pretty much six days a week. Mm. You know, and this thing feeling good that that like that's that's a big part of it for me for my well being. And then the support system part. I got a couple friends that just like really live it, man. Mm-hmm. They really live it as far as like they got something that they 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 stand for. They're getting their word to, and they're doing that every day. You know, and it's like they'll call me on my BS, you yep. know, and like I I talk to them like my buddy Doug Evans, uh, my buddy Elliot Bisnow. I got a lot more friends and a lot more family. I'm really blessed in that department. <laughs> like there's a lot of abundance there, people who love me. But I would say those are the people like I'm just in touch with on a daily, almost daily basis, you know, that. I would go to first if I'm like, hey man, am I thinking about this in the right way or not? Or yeah. <laughs> am I am I trying to trick myself or you know, you know? And it's like you gotta be careful with advice because sometimes we ask for advice and we're really just looking for someone to like affirm our reasons, mm-hmm. you know, or tell us that we're right. We, we might already know we're not mm-hmm. right. <laughs> All that self doubt, yeah, yeah. So like. You know, it's about some of, you need some of those relationships where the other person is committed to truth, mm-hmm. not not making you feel good. You know, so Doug's definitely like that for me. So uh, he's a first, when you say support system, I'll say my buddy <laughs> Doug comes to my mind. For sure. Uh, two quick ones before we go. If you could nominate anyone to come on the show, uh, we ask this uh, to every guest, someone who's been inspirational for you or has a powerful mental health journey that you think that we should share uh who would it be goggins mm. i would say he his book um can't hurt me mm-hmm. i read that thing three times now i read it when it came out and i read it before the walk i listened to it again on the walk and then i listened to it at everest base camp a third time uh before before we climbed everest i mean that love that I don't know if it gets any more like it. You talk about being unreasonable, yeah, right? There's a guy who had everything go wrong. I mean, we, I mean, you and I, I shouldn't make assumption about your life, but like everything pretty much went well in my life, yeah. Everything went wrong. This guy should be a 300 pound dude, uh, cynical about life. I mean. He he created like everything went wrong, and right. yet he still became a Navy SEAL, uh, ultra marathon runner, broke the world record for pull-ups. You know, like wrote this amazing book, inspired millions of people. Like this guy, and, and still getting after it, right? Yeah. Like, uh, it, it's like you read this thing, and you're like, well, what's my excuse? <laughs> you know, this guy, like, come on. Had learning disabilities. Father beat the crap out of him. Mm. When he beat the crap out of his mom, lived in the town with the KKK. He's a black guy. Like, if he, if you want a reason to like not hide behind, he's got a thousand. He's got more than yeah. you. He's got 
anymore, and, and he doesn't. And and you get in the presence of that book, it unlock. I mean, it unlocks something in pretty much. Every, I think everyone that reads it, you're like, what? Well, wow, what's my yeah. excuse? Like, no, that, I, what I'm gonna one. do? What what can I do now that I'm not hiding behind my excuses? Yeah. You know? definitely. And it's you know, so we wanna we wanna um, be sure to highlight that too, right? It's like we're being honest about our our inauthenticities where we're full of crap, not just to beat up on ourselves or like be vulnerable. No, man, we're doing that to clear the space, to create something new, mm-hmm. to create the walk across America, to create Mount Everest, to like create whoever you want to be, you know? And we can, we got to start with being real with how we're full of crap. You know, we clear that up, clear that up first. Once we, then we do that. Boom! Let's let's go. <laughs> oh hell yeah! You know, so That's a great. Uh, it's not just to be mean to ourselves. I'm not in the business yeah, of that. You know, yeah. it's it's to it's to live a life that we create that fulfills us. You know, that feeling from the beginning of the podcast, like getting the record deal, not feeling fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't want to feel that. Like, I'm gonna create a life in that feeling for myself. You know, oh, absolutely. I appreciate that. A recommendation. And uh, lastly, Mike. What makes you mad happy, man? Oh, oh man, I'll say that. My puppy, man, she makes me pretty darn happy. Sometimes drive me crazy. Yeah. crazy, but she makes me pretty darn happy. And uh, I'll tell you what, life is pretty darn beautiful, you know? Mm. Connect with other people in a real way, making a difference for somebody else, mm-hmm. uh, be in the space where someone can feel transcendence, um, like we talked about. That makes me feel pretty darn happy you know no for sure well we appreciate the time and thank you so much for opening up and and sharing everything with us i think people are really going to love this one uh so appreciate it mike thank you so much mason good to meet you yes sir all all your success and, and here's to our future brother absolutely Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope I wasn't too bad trying to host it by myself without payment. Mike's a cool dude, man. He's, he said some inspiring stuff. I think similar to what I was saying about Rob kind of challenging my view. I think Mike was challenging a little bit also for me to fully understand at first. But I think his ownership over how he feels and really having that integrity that he was talking about and that autonomy over his own life has allowed him to really unlock another level which is something that we don't get to talk about a lot because we really talk about the elementary ways of mental health but to not allow anyone to make you feel anything and to really accept your feelings and own them and not let them really dictate how you want to live your life so i thought it was super cool uh he's a cool dude and i hope you guys enjoyed that one uh we also want to remind everyone and ourselves that mental health is an ongoing process and is something that takes daily work for more information you can always find us at localoptimist.com slash podcasts if you want to support the show please follow us on spotify subscribe on apple or wherever you get your podcasts and a big thank you again to cash app for our ongoing partnership appreciate you guys tune in next week for our conversation with where we talk a little bit about mental health peace The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism.